<laughs> testing, testing. All right. They go to a church and they can't find community. How many of you guys have ever been into a new church? Like you've never gone before, right? And you walk in and what do you do? You sit down. And how many of you guys ever have, uh, have, sit, sit, have sat down and nobody has ever, no, no one has really approached you? And if they did approach you, they approached you for like, oh, hey, welcome. And then they walked away. How many of you guys felt that way before? And then you went to that church over and over and over again and nobody ever talked to you. Some of you guys might be in that church right now. <laughs> Hopefully not. But they, they can't find community. They leave the church because they can't find community. Number nine, they don't want more drama in their lives. Their lives. How, do you, how, how many of you guys recognize that the more you get in, into our church or any kind of church and really inter, uh, interact with other people, you start to notice drama? I hate drama, except like watching it on TV. That's fun because it's not in my life, right? People don't want that. They have unresolved conflict. That means they don't get along with certain people and they're just not dealing with it. How many of you guys in here have been mad at somebody who've never said anything? In fact, the other person might not even know that you're mad at them or they, bothered, they, they made you angry at one point. Number seven, controlling leaders. People that make you try to do, I mean, I'm kind of controlling, but I'm hopefully not that bad. The, the, maybe the worst thing I do is make you get coffee for me, right? All right, control, <laughs> <laughs> controlling leaders. Unskilled teachers. So you, you listen to the, like these preachers and you're just like, um, I don't know what he's talking about. And then number six, click social climbing favoritism. People leave the church because of clicks. You guys know what a click is? Yeah. A click is like um, there's a group of friends and nobody can get in. Like you try to be their friend and they just all move together as a herd. They're really close to each other. They're walking. And you're like, hey, can I hang out? And they're like, we can't hear you because we're too close together. That's a click. All right, we have cliques in our church. We have cliques in our youth group. You might be a part of a clique. You might be on the outside of a clique yearning to be in that clique, but you can't be in that clique because they're too cl close together. You might be in a clique and be like, I'm not really in a clique. You might be in a denial. Denial clique, right? <laughs> social climbing. Social climbing is like, you know, trying to get more popular. I went to this one church. It was a college group, and they were all like, um, this is when I was young. And um, they were all like single college students, and all the girls and guys were like trying to be like it was like high school. They're trying to be popular, trying to date each other and stuff like that. And I felt really uncomfortable. Um, favoritism. If you felt like somebody else has all the attention, it's usually pretty much the loud people that people think are the favorites, right? <laughs> right? Because the quiet people are like nobody ever notices me, right? But the loud people is like everyone's always paying attention to them. But usually. They might be, you might be annoyed with them. I mean, people might be annoyed with them. You never know, right? Like people are like, look at everyone's paying attention to me, but they might be annoyed with you. Number five, pressure to be perfect, to be accepted. Um, some of you guys don't want anyone to ever know that you're imperfect, that you have problems, that you're struggling, that you are messed up inside, right? So they leave the church because they think they have to be perfect to come to our church. Hopefully you don't feel that way about our church. Number four, spiritual manipulation regarding who to vote for, like political things. And this is usually for older, the older generation, like... Um, um, I remember somebody told me that if I voted for uh, Barack Obama, I wasn't a Christian. That was weird. <laughs> I'm like, okay, thank you, buckaroo. Uh, I, I didn't listen. Uh, number three, um, they can't find authenticity. So there's a bunch of fake people, right? And I hear you guys talk about people that are fake. Um, I don't know if you know what fake means because that's not fake. Fake, fake people are like... People who pretend they are something that they're not, right? 
So like at church, they'll act like all holy, and then outside of church, they won't be holy at all, right? Or they, they're friends with you at church, but at school, they're not friends with you, right? People that are something that they're not, right? It's like a, they're like hypocrite. They can't find authenticity. So you have a bunch of people that pretend to be Christians and really aren't doing anything. Number two, this is the key. They feel lonely. Now, this is why I put this up here. It made me sad that you could come to a church and feel lonely because you're surrounded by people, right? Look around, right to the left. Everybody look. You're surrounded by people, yet you can be alone, right? And then number one, they don't find Jesus. Actually, that made me the most sad. <laughs> you go to church, no Jesus, right? Because there's a lot of churches that really, you know, there's, Christ is not represented. The people, the churches aren't reaching out to people. They're not really uh, helping people. They're not being the arms and feet of Jesus, right? So let, let's look at the definition of loneliness. I like this definition by this guy named Tim Hansel. It says, loneliness is not the same as being alone, right? Loneliness is not the same as being alone. Loneliness is feeling alone. No matter how many people are around you, it's a feeling of being disconnected, unplugged, left out, and isolated. So we're talking about loneliness. The fact of the matter is, loneliness is common in the church. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, that's terrible. You, you shouldn't be lonely, especially in the church. But that's not necessarily true. When you look in Scripture, we're going to be looking at a prophet named Jeremiah. How many of you guys ever heard of the prophet Jeremiah? We don't talk about prophets that much. We talked about Ezekiel once, um, but prophets are really, really strange people. They're people that have, that have messages from God, right? But Jeremiah was a different kind of guy. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. That was his nickname, the weeping prophet. Do you guys know what weeping means? You're taking them? Bye. Bye, guys. Doesn't Tommy look like he shouldn't be in middle school? Tommy's like, let's go. <laughs> Do you guys know what weeping means? Weeping isn't, weeping isn't just crying. What? What did you say, Chris? It's crying a lot. It's crying a lot. Weeping, focus, Justin, focus. Weeping is crying a lot. Jeremiah, his job for 40 years was to tell the Israelites that they were wrong that they were in sin, that they were worshiping other idols. And everyone hated him. He was the weeping prophet. And that was that passage that I had you, uh, that had Shine read. Um, this is what God told Jeremiah. This was his order. God says, Jeremiah, don't get married. This is the message version. I like the message version. Oh, I don't have it up there. I'll read it to you. But Jeremiah, don't get married. Don't raise a family here. I have signed the death warrant on all the children born in this country. That's what God was telling Jeremiah about Israel. Hey, don't get married. So number one, that's significant other. You want to get married? Nope. God says to Jeremiah, he can't get married. Don't have a family. Don't have children, right? Born in this country. The mothers who bear them and the fathers who beget them, who make them. An epidemic of death. Death lamented. The death, dead, unburied, dead bodies decomposing and stinking like dung. Stinking like a pile of poop. So their whole, they're, they're just going to be dead bodies. You know, Jeremiah must have been really happy about this. All the killed and starved corpses served up as meals for carrion crows, for crows and dogs. God continued, don't enter a house where there's mourning, where people are crying. Don't go to the funeral. Don't sympathize. I quit caring about what happens to this people. You guys getting this? God is really, really mad. 
God's decree, no more loyal love on my part, no more compassion. The famous and obscure will die alike here, unlamented and unburied. No funerals will be conducted. No one will give them a second thought. No one will care. No one will say, I'm sorry. No one will so much as offer a cup of tea, not even for the mother or father. This is what God's order to Jeremiah was. Do not care. Do not be a part. So what do you think Jeremiah felt at that moment? (laughs) He was like, dang dog. He felt lonely. He was completely isolated. Right? There were times where he hated his own life. He wept for his people. This is the next passage. For my dear broken people, I'm heartbroken. I weep, seized by grief. Are there no healing ointments in Gilead? Is there, isn't there a doctor in the house? So why can't something be done to heal and save my dear, dear people? He loves his people. He loves his people. And God is telling him, nope, you can't. Um, Jeremiah hates his life. He says, unlucky mother, he's talking about his mom, that you had me as a son given the unhappy job of indicting the whole country. I've never heard or harmed a soul, and yet everyone is out to get me. Like, Jeremiah is super depressed. You push me into this, God. He's mad at God at this point. You push me into this, God, and I let you do it. You were too much for me, and now I'm a public joke. They all poke fun at me every time I open my mouth. I'm shouting murder or rape. So he's shouting like, you guys are in sin, sin, sin. And all I get from my God warnings are insults and contempt. Everyone hates him. Pretty intense. But then at the end, Jeremiah does this thing where he leans on God. I pray to God, dear, dear God, my master, you created earth and sky by your great power. By merely stretching out your arm, there is nothing you can't do. You know what I love the Bible? Is that in the Bible, like read through the Psalms, man. Like that Psalm that we read, God break the arm of my enemy. Like he's talking about like breaking his arm. Okay, maybe you don't pray like that, but sometimes I pray like that. But I love the Bible because they're, like, he is so, they are so straightforward. Like, there's no pretending. There's no softness. You know how everything in, in this world is, like, really politically correct? There's nothing like that in the Bible. They are super intense. And here you got Jeremiah who's going back and forth. He's mad at God. He's, he hates his own life. He feels bad for his mom for giving birth to him, right? And he goes and returns to the Lord and, 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 and recognizes the power of God and how awesome God is and how much God loves him, Right? Jeremiah was alone, but not lonely. Jeremiah was alone, but not lonely. I think a lot of us here, we are not alone, but we are lonely. Right? And I think it has everything to do with intimacy. Can, I, can somebody grab that whiteboard for me? Walter, will you grab that whiteboard for me? And uh, uh, Raylan, will you grab me a marker and a, a whiteboard? Do you guys remember the relationship house that I, showed, that I drew for you? The relationship house. Tell me, tell me what the, the, the house looked like. What, what, were all, what were all the parts? The porch. And what was the porch? The markers on top. Oh, you got it. Yeah, you can just bring it. Oh, I don't, I don't, need, a, I don't need a... Nah, I'm good. What, what, what was the porch? What did the porch represent when it came to intimacy with people? You said that right. Apparently, my daughter wrote a, a letter to Kelly. To Kelly. All right. So you got a house, right? This is, this is, this is bird's eye view, right? This is bird's eye view. Yeah, I probably need that one. You can toss it. Oh, jeez. All right, so here's the house. Here's the front porch. Here's the front door, right? There's the office, living room, uh, kitchen, bedroom. <laughs> all right. Anywho, so here, these are people all around here. These are people around here that you know. You go to church, right? All of a sudden, they're on your front porch. 
you know them, maybe. You kind of know them. You've seen them. You know them by sight, right? But the problem is, if most of your friends are on the porch, you are lonely. Does that make sense? You're lonely. And the problem is, a lot of you guys think that a lot of your porch friends are actually deeper into your house, but they're not. You have no intimacy in your conversations. You don't talk about struggles. You don't really talk about what hurts, what bothers you. You talk about cars. You talk about league. You talk about girls. That is not intimacy. That's porch stuff. Right? You don't need anybody special. You don't need trust unless you tell them that there's a certain girl that you like and they don't know. And she tells the girl. Then there's some trust. But... In general, there's not much trust. You go into office, right? This is maybe somebody you study with, somebody you hang out with, because you like each other, you get along, right? But there's no real deep intimacy. Maybe you hang out with them at school, right? In the office, it's, it's like you scratch my back, I scratch yours. I don't want to be alone. I don't really know you that well, but I like you and you like me, so we're just going to hang out. And then you get into the, the, the living room. That's where people feel more comfortable. You hang out, maybe you, you hang out all day, like every day, every weekend at church, right? Maybe you're on the worship team together. But you're still not talking about deep stuff, but you're really comfortable. Some of you guys grew up together. You guys know each other for 10, 15, 20 years, however, how old, however old you are. But you're still not intimate. You're in the living room, you're really comfortable, but you don't talk about anything important. You want intimacy. What up, Darius? Have a seat, bro. You want intimacy, but you don't have it. You think because you've known this, these people all your life that you're really close, but you're not. And then you've got kitchen. Kitchen is somebody that goes day in and day out with you, helps you, serves with you, works with you, right? These are the kind of people, and I love the kitchen illustration because it's like somebody that walks into your house, and it, when you start cooking dinner, they don't just sit on the couch. They get up and they pick up a knife. They know where your cups and dishes are, and they start working. This is the kind of people in your life that know you in and out, and are with you, and are helping you through your struggles, and you're helping them through theirs. That's the kind of thing where you guys talk about real stuff. They call you up when their mom, when your mom flips out on you, or you call them up when your mom flips out on you, and she's screaming, and you're you're really tired, and you don't really want to work this thing out with your mom, and you're just thinking about leaving. And this is the person you call, and you talk about real deep stuff, and you're comfortable with it. And they pray with you, they encourage you, they strengthen you. That's, that's the kitchen. That's where the real work is done. And then the bedroom, obviously that's for your wife or your husband, right? That's the deepest level of intimacy. I know you guys are like giggling. <laughs> Sixth graders are gone. They would have giggled. But really, ultimately, you want a spouse that you can be totally intimate with, right? And when we talk about relationships, we'll go into that in more detail. So right now, the, living, or the kitchen is where you want to be. The problem is... A lot of you guys do not have deep relationships. I've heard you guys talk to each other. I ask you what you guys talk about. League, school, that's not intimacy. And I'm not saying that you have to have these deep, deep, deep conversations all day long, every day. No one would want to hang out with you. But at least there is some, right, where they know what's really going on in your life. Right. So so a lot of you guys are not alone, but you're lonely, and this is because of intimacy. Um, Jeremiah gives us a really good example because he was alone when it came to people, right? Nobody liked him. Nobody wanted to hang out with him, but he wasn't separated from God, so therefore he wasn't lonely. Some of you guys are in this place. Some of you guys will find yourself in a transition where there is nobody that you know. Like, for instance, uh, Sang, he's going to Southern, Georgia Southern. When are you leaving? Today. Sang's leaving today, and he's going to go. And he's going to sit in the lunchroom or the dining hall. And he's not going to know anybody. And so who is he going to sit with? No one. He will be, unless Kadir is there. 
he will sit there, or Freddie, right? <laughs> Freddie's like, hey, sir! <laughs> and then he won't be lonely. <laughs> but a certain example is like JoJo, right? I remember when he went to the University of South Carolina, he didn't know anybody. And he's scared of white people. I don't know why. Uh, he's scared of white people. He's, he's, he's Korean, if you don't know him. And he just sat in the lunchroom by himself. It was sad. Right? So there are certain search, uh, situations, if you came to our church, if this is the first time you ever come to our church, if you don't know anybody, if you're really scared and timid, there's going to be times where you will be physically alone, but that doesn't have to uh, make you lonely. And Jeremiah is a great example of this. He was connected with God. And now that, that begs the question for some of us, like, I don't feel intimacy like that with God. Not yet, at least. Right? Some of you guys just started your journey with the Lord. Some of you guys are just figuring it out. Some of you guys are like, I don't know if I'm going to follow the Lord or not. Some of you guys have been Christians all your life, uh, and you feel like God is in the living room with you, but he's not in the kitchen. Your intimacy level is where you've known God. You grew up going to Sunday school, all the stories you're kind of familiar with. It doesn't seem foreign to you, right? But he's not in the kitchen. He's not where your real life is. Does that make sense? And so that's the thing is that he might be in your living room, but you might not have intimacy with him. And therefore, when you are alone, you feel lonely even when God's near. And you want God to be in the kitchen. All right, so how do we do that? How do we not separate ourselves from God? It's, it's really, really simple. You're going to be like, you're going to roll your eyes at me because I, I say the same things every day. But this is the thing, is that repetition means that you will remember it. And so maybe one day, whenever you feel lonely, when you feel really despondent towards God, when you don't feel like you're growing, you're going to change. You're going to try to go for it. So pray. That's number one, pray. You're like, duh, Howard. Well, do it then. Well, duh, me. Right? Pray. Pray. Spend time prayer. Morning, evening. I've been doing morning and evening prayer, and I love it. Because I'm not that disciplined of a person, and my prayers aren't like hours long, uh, you know, for the most part. But I like, I like the evening. And when my wife and I were camping, my wife and I are on totally different schedules. She, she's a, um, a morning person, so she wakes up at five. I'm, a, I'm a not a morning person, so I wake up whenever. And so... Um, but when we were camping, we would be going to bed around midnight at the same time, and so we would read a psalm together and pray together, and it was awesome, right? Read a psalm. Review your day. I was telling my staff yesterday, review your day. Praise God. Spend time thinking about God, thanking Him for the day. Think about your day, right? And just go to bed. Click off your phone, put it aside, and just give God 10, 15 minutes every night. It gives you peace. When you wake up in the morning, read a scripture. Read a psalm. Read a, read a, a story. Read one of the Gospels, which is the stories of Jesus. Read those. It's fantastic. Pray. Meditate. Reading scripture and thinking on it. Some of you guys read scripture and the words don't mean anything to you anymore. Meditate on it. Okay, what does this really mean? That's why I love memorizing scripture because when I memorize scripture, I really think about it a lot. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Because understanding it helps you memorize it. And then worship. It can be music. Like on the way to church today, uh, my kids fought and fought and fought and fought. But like that happened like in the middle. So about into 30 minutes. But 30 minutes into it, like we were just worshiping, right? It was awesome. I had this new United Pursuit CD, uh, MP3. And I was listening to it, and it was awesome. For 30 minutes, we were just listening and worshiping. And then my kids started to fight. And I was asking the Lord for forgiveness. The second thing, and this is the most common, is separa- separation from people. So let's say you do mend the separation from God, right? It, it, it'll, it'll shore you up so you won't be lonely. But a lot of us are lonely from people. We're separated from people. We feel alone. So how do we connect with people in a deeper way? How do we go from the porch 
or the office or the living room or uh, in the kitchen, into the kitchen? How do we get intimate with people? Uh, Number one, reach out to others. And this is hard because I know that some of you guys are socially inept, which means you don't have social skills, which means you make other people feel awkward. And you probably know you make people feel awkward, but that's okay. Awkward people make friends. It's true. And the cool people probably aren't as cool as they think they are or that you think they are. It's all perception. I think some of my deepest relationships with friends are not people that are generally cool, like people that I want to hang out with. Me and Josh Cooper were talking and having a conversation, right? Josh is an introvert, like a one-on-one kind of guy, and he wants to be popular like Kyung. Just kidding, he didn't say, he didn't say Kyung. <laughs> Kyung. He wants to be popular like Kyung. You know, let's, let's use Kyung as an example, right? But his personality is different, but it's not bad. Right? So if you feel socially inept, feel socially awkward, you still have to make an attempt. Some of you guys are so insecure about who you are that you don't make that attempt. You don't try to go deep. And this is the deal. You're not going to go deep with everybody. There are people that I do not like, and that's okay. I don't hate them. I hope good things for them. I hope God you know, moves in their life, and wonderful. but I don't want to hang out with them, and that's okay. Right? All right, reach out to others. Um, oh, so the example I had is um, I go to, I train jiu-jitsu, right, at my gym, and I switched schools because the other place was like 45 minutes away, so I went to one that's 10 minutes away. But I walked in there like I own the place, not because I'm really confident. If you really know me, I'm really shy around people I don't know, right? It's not easy for me. I know you're like, whatever, Howard, you stand in front of people. No, but it's not. So every day, when I, or every time I go into that school, I go in there and I introduce myself to everybody that I don't know. And I ask them, how long have you been training? And they're like, oh, I just started. And I'm like, welcome to our school. Like, it's my school. I'm like, welcome to our school. I'm so glad you're here. And they're like, oh, thank you. And, we, and I try to have a deep conversation with, you know, with, with one person at least every, every class. And some of you are like, that's ridiculous. That's too much. That's, no, but it's this mentality of I don't want to just have a bunch of surface relationships where I just know people. I want to get into people's lives and know people. But a lot of you guys are so un- uh, uncomfortable with that that you're unwilling to do it. I'm uncomfortable, but I forced myself to do it. I'm encouraging you, you guys to do the same thing. Number two, serve together. This is a big thing. Some of you guys get really close on mission trips, correct? Mission retreat. Somebody that you didn't know before. You got, to, you got to hang out, right? Some of you guys are intimidating, and you don't even know that you're intimidating. You're like, what? People are intimidated by me, right? I found out the other day that people are intimidated by Grace Wong. Isn't that weird? Grace Wong? Right? And if you ask Grace Wong, Am I, are you, do you think you're intimidated? She'd be like, no, that's stupid. That's ridiculous, right? But people are intimidated by her. And then when they became her friend, they're like, oh, I love Grace. Right? But whenever you do mission trips or you do like service projects together, you volunteer together, you join staff together, you do whatever, you get closer to people and you get more intimate. But it doesn't automatically happen. You still have to be intentional about it. Uh, number three, let go of the insecurity. Some of you guys have been left out before. Some of you guys, remember we were talking about clicks? Some of you guys are on the outside of clicks, and you look at those clicks, and you're like, I want to be their friend. But then you look around you, and you're hanging out with three or four people yourself, and they're the, they're the ones that aren't in any clicks, right? And they're just like, they all just stare longingly at the click, but they stare at them together. So they're eating lunch and looking at the click table, and they're lonely eating their sandwiches because they want to be in that click but they don't realize that they have the makings of a click themselves, right? Obviously, don't make another click, but, but the idea is, like, enjoy the people that are around you. You don't need to be best friends with everybody, right? You don't need five best friends or ten best friends. You just need one. And if you have one that's in the kitchen in your life, you're rich. You are blessed. 
number four, take time in each conversation with people to go deep. Um, instead of, hey, what's up? It's, hey, what's really up? <laughs> They're like, hey, how you doing? And you're, and you're like, oh, I'm doing good. Are you really? You know, and I'm a pastor, so I can say like real spiritual things like, what is the Lord doing in your life right now? Right. And I get my voice all husky. You guys probably can't do that because that's weird. But but you can really ask like, hey, how are you really doing? Because you, you kind of seem a little bit down. And then wait, because this is the thing. Most people don't talk. If you if you search your heart, most people don't share their hearts because they don't really think anybody really wants to hear it. So if you ask them the question, how are you really doing? And then you pause and they're like, this is what's happening. You know, and then you just you hug them. You're like, it's going to be OK. You know, that's how you go deep. Number five, accept others where they're at. I know that some of you guys are like hitting this point in your life where you're wanting to grow spiritually. You're like, I really feel like God is telling me to really take him seriously, but all my friends aren't really serious about the Lord. And then you look around at the other youth group, uh, the other members of the, of the student ministry, and you're like, well, I don't know any of those people, or I don't think any of them are really at, at the spiritual level that I am, <laughs> which is a joke, but you get what I'm saying? So take people, <clears throat> accept people where they're at. You're not going to find people that are spiritually exactly the same as you. But you can find some, uh, from peop- some people that are really actually desiring to grow, right? And how are you going to find those people? Because they don't have signs over their head. They don't put it on their posts, right? I'm looking for people to grow in the Lord with me. That'd be nice. You could do that on Facebook if you want to. That's actually using Facebook for something good, maybe. Right? But you have to have deep conversations with people. Hey, how are you doing? And if somebody says, you know what, I'm really, really done. I'm done doing this. I'm done drinking. I'm done partying. I'm done whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow the Lord. You're like, me too. And then you hang out. Right? Let's read, the psalm, let's read a psalm tonight. Yeah, let's do it. Uvu each other or Google Hangout or whatever. Right? Um, but this is, this is the thing. is ev- It's not going to be with everybody. Okay? Get this clear. You are going to meet people that will not like you. You will try to be their friend. You will do everything that you can to become intimate with them, and they will deny you. And they'll do it really subtly because most people don't like to be mean, right? So they'll just like, you'll call them up and be like, hey, dude, let's hang out tonight. And they're like, oh, I got something else to do. Then you look on Instagram or Snapchat and their their Snap story, and all of a sudden you realize they were hanging out with their friends. And you're like, oh, no, right? It's okay. If they leave you out, that's not your friend. Find another friend, right? I get so sad when I hear about people being left out. I I feel sad for the person being left out because they think that that's what they want. But I don't want people that don't want to hang out with me, right? Like, why would you want to hang out with people that don't want to hang out with you? Find other friends. There's other people that want to hang out with you, right? They might not know it yet, but when you introduce yourself and you hang out, right, that will develop over time. Don't give up. They are going to be, just like Jeremiah, Jeremiah's season of loneliness was 40 years. 40 years. Um, That won't happen with you guys, right? But there will be seasons of loneliness. Don't give up. Don't check out. Don't go the opposite direction of everything that you've known you were supposed to do, what God had called you to do. And I know for sure that some of you guys are wanting to grow in in the relationship with the Lord. That means when you go off to college, that means you, you don't not go to church. You don't bail out. You don't just go to church and sit on a pew. You have to get involved in people's lives because you can't come back here every week. Right? 
There are things like that. And then the last one, this is kind of weird, um, but separation from yourself. Some of you guys don't have friends or deep friends, kitchen friends, because you hate yourself. You don't like yourself. You have problems with yourself. You think you're a loser, right? You have all this unforgiveness and bitterness. You have, you're separated from yourself, from a healthy self, right? So what do you do? You have to spend time, right, dealing with those issues in your heart. How do you do that? Well, maybe talking to somebody that's older than you that can mentor you, encourage you, look for a mentor. I've always looked for mentors in my life, always, because I knew I couldn't do it by myself. I knew I needed somebody wiser, right? Spending time with the Lord. I love the Psalms. I've been reading the Psalms all the time. Psalm 73, it says, I think I have it up there. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. I love that image. God holds me by my right hand. I hold my kids' hands all the time. I love holding their hands. The boys don't like being held, their hands held. But I try to hold Josiah's hands, but it's okay. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It's like saying, you know, God, this is my relationship with you. You are the one that, that has everything that I need. And your heart begins to let go of all the bitterness, all the brokenness, right? You start to realize that you are valued, that you are loved, right? I love that song through and through. We sing it, but I don't think a lot of us believe it, that we're actually honestly loved. And I told you guys this before, but, like, I imagine, because some of you guys don't like my jokes because you have no sense of humor, but, like, like I imagine when I tell jokes, like, when I say something funny, God's up in heaven cr- uh, cracking up, too. I love it. Like, God's like, man, you're so funny, Howard. Like, I'm like, thanks, God. I appreciate it. You made me. God's like, I did. You know? <laughs> so you, like, you like my jokes now, right? <laughs> when, you start to, when you start to realize that, that you actually have innate value, right? That God made you, that he loves you, that he has a plan for you, then all of a sudden you're like, wow. I, maybe I'm okay. And you start to, start to develop into that. You start, that starts to become your identity. I am loved by God. I am loved by God. I am loved by God. And no matter how much people reject me or leave me out or whatever, you're reminded that you're loved by God. Anytime that you want to, to self-destruct. I remember when I was younger, I wanted to self-destruct all the time. I would do things to, to injure myself, basically, you know? Like some of the drugs I was doing, overdosing and that kind of trying to, you know, just erase my life. It's because I hated myself. And when you hate yourself, you can't, you can't let people in, nor can you let God in. You won't go into the kitchen. So God met me where I was and started working in my heart and changing things. So what have we learned? Loneliness is inevitable. You will have moments of loneliness. But there's two ways, or three ways actually, um, to combat that. If you're separated from God, get close to God. This is so important. This underlies everything that you do. Second thing, separation from people. Look at why you're separated from people. What are you doing? How are you living? Right? How are you not going deep with people? And again, man, I'm telling you, once you get those deep people in your life, that one person or those two people that you can share your life with, like deeply, they know you and they know how screwed up you are and yet they, they love you absolutely. Once you have that, there's such a deep sense of like freedom. Like, you know, I have a bad day at church where somebody like, says something that people say bad things about like students that haven't liked me in the past or whatever and that hurts me right you know 
it makes them feel really discouraged. Um, one person I know said that uh, was like saying my sermons were like um, really repetitive and you know they didn't get anything from my sermons. It made me really sad, not because I care about my sermons so much, but I feel like it's a value judgment against me. You know, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing my job or I'm not doing well or whatever, you know. But because I had such deep relationships with my, my friends and my wife and my kids, like those things really just didn't affect me that deeply. I didn't go to bed. I didn't turn around and, you know, like roll around in my bed all night. Right? When you have intimacy, how God created you to be, all of a sudden you become much more a different person. You know? Relationship with God, relationship with others, and then yourself. Spend time healing. Um, some of you guys need professional help. Your generation is tough because you guys will be, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, you guys, your generation will be the generation that battles addiction like no other generation. Porn addiction, right? Internet addiction. Um, some of you guys couldn't stop looking at your phone even if you, if you tried, right? You're, that's, the genera- that's your generation's curse. That's what you guys will carry, right? Some of you will, will need professional help, but that's not, not, nothing to be ashamed of. What's a sh- what, what would be a shame is if you continued to live your life hating yourself, self-imploding, right? Driving everybody away, everyone that tries to get in the kitchen, you push away. That, that's what would be sad. We teach you all of these things. We teach you from the Word because we want you guys to succeed. We want you to know what, what life truly is about. Remember John 10.10? 10? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and life abundantly, life overflowing, life to the fullest, right? That's what we believe that, that Christ offers us. That's why we teach you these things, so that you don't fall into these things. So my encouragement to you guys is to spend some time reflecting because I know maybe here at church you, you feel it the most. You walk into those doors and you're really uncomfortable. You look around your friends and you feel like they don't understand you, right? You spend time with the Lord and you feel like you're just talking to the ceiling, right? Get deeper. Do not be satisfied. Do not give up. And the Lord will show you. He will reward you in that sense. Yeah? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters. Thank you that you teach us how to do life in the way that you've designed us to be. You are our designer. You are the one that created us to be a certain way. And yet we continue to try to do things on our own, trying to do things our own way. But I just pray that you'd remind us today, God, that intimacy is something that you've designed. Help us not to be the people that run from intimacy is as uncomfortable as it is to actually trust people and share lives, to be intimate with you, Lord. Lord, I just thank you so much for the effective power of your Holy Spirit that will do these things in us and that as we yield, as we continue to, to give ourselves over, as we take these steps to move towards intimacy, that you will be faithful in responding and helping us to do these things. And so we put our trust in you and not in ourselves, not in our own habits or our behaviors or our own abilities. We put our trust totally in you, God, so we just ask you to do it. Make it so in us. In Jesus' name. Small group questions, really quick. And again, small group leaders, you guys can use these or not. Um, number one, share a time when you felt lonely and what it was like. Don't just say, I was lonely at school. Um, share some detail, um, obviously as much as you're comfortable. Number two, what helped you to get beyond it? Was it a person? Was it a re- realization? Was it a revelation? What did you do? Uh, number three, what did God reveal to you today in the message? What hit you? What part of loneliness did, uh, did you feel or that you need to work on? Number four, how can you help others become less lonely? L- lonely. Look around. 
look around because there are always people on the, on, on the side. Um, one thing I loved about Tay Cruz, Tay Cruz, he never let anyone stand alone. He would always look around. He, that's what he did every Sunday. He would look around and see people that weren't sitting. Uh, anyone was sitting with him, and he would grab them and bring them apart, make them apart. So how did, number four, how can you help others become less lonely? Okay. Um, closing prayer, and then the offering bucket is over there, that purple thing right there. Hey, Ma- Max is in ninth grade, y'all.